You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 758 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Sunday evening into Monday morning. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED ON to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. Joining me this evening on the podcast, an old friend, and we're going to do a gimmick that no one in the history of sports podcasting has tried. We're going to talk about the last dance. Robbie Callen is here. Hello, sir. Hey, bud. This is a totally original thing that no one's uh-huh. no one's talked about on podcasts in the last or any weeks. medium. Uh, no TV. I don't know no. if anybody. I don't know if anybody's even heard of this documentary. Uh, of course, we kid, but uh, it wrapped up about what an hour ago as we're, as we're starting to talk now. So, uh, and you yeah. you've been uniquely dialed in here. Uh, you know, I've done very little on this. I think I wrote one or two things about this, but uh, for Dime, you've been uh, I would say on the Last Dance beat for the last six weeks or so. Oh, no doubt. It's all so, we've had. Sports. Yeah. You're dialed in, and I figured I haven't I haven't done that on, on this podcast yet. Um, it was a good time to do it since it was right after the last one. I've been dialing. I've been sort of you know devouring this like everybody else. Uh, I was in my bag on this, so let's talk about it for a while. Um, before we get to the actual fun stuff, I would say. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the Hawks stuff, because it's the Hawks podcast. Sure. People can log off if they want to after this. Um, but the Hawks made a few appearances they on did. this. Uh, one one thing, and I know you touched on this in, in written form, so I'm going to tee you up on this. I wanted to talk about the soundtrack in general, which we definitely will. Um, yes. But that was that was my favorite part of uh, that involved the Hawks. Was It was centered, centered around the, uh, the now famous slash infamous game where the Bulls played the Hawks in the Georgia Dome. Um, 60,000 folks that was in the there that happened uh and people it's kind of funny like some of the revisionism that i saw out there like oh the hawks moved to the georgia dome to accommodate michael jordan it's like, no, they were just playing games there no i mean certainly you could say that they chose that date oh 100 because they, they they were splitting between the dome and georgia tech and they were not going to put mj and, the, and company in georgia tech that's worth mm-hmm. pointing out um but uh one, it may be cringe because someone referred to it as the Atlanta Dome, and I wanted to die right then and yeah, there. Yeah, I love that. Um, but um, the, the reason I brought the soundtrack is that uh, that whole montage uh, was set to Outcast Rosa Parks, which Just got us both, I think, in our feels at that point. Fired in time. up. That's great. Um, that, that was fun. Did you say you were there? Am I making that up? No, I, I was not there for that game. I went to a game at the Omni. Um, in like 96 or something. So my, my dad, uh, Keith Callen for old Atlanta radio and TV heads out there, uh, <laughs> traffic reporter on just about every station was able to finagle some like courtside tickets one time to a, uh, to a Jordan game, I think in 96. So like the year he came back and, um, I was five and I was terrified of mascots Oh yes, and uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you when you're courtside, um, you're deep in the Harry Hawk zone, and uh, mascots don't understand that like some kids don't mess with large um, anthropomorphic birds, no. and uh, Harry Hawk just like wouldn't leave us alone, and I was terrified. I think I made us leave at halftime uh, of a courtside courtside game. For Michael Jordan, my brother has not, uh, who's not a sports guy, but still hasn't let me uh, let me live that one down. So yeah. that was the one time I saw Michael Jordan in person. Uh, we left. I don't remember this at all, but I've been I mean, told about were, it were, so five. many times. I was <laughs> I was small. Yes. Um, yeah, it didn't didn't go real well there. Uh, my my I might have been four. Might have been like early in the season '95. But yeah, that was that was the one time. But no, I was I was not there uh, for the for the '98 game. But it, but it is just like a fascinating little time capsule of how all that came together. That they were already playing in the dome, some games. I mean, they sold sixty two thousand tickets. 
I mean, some of those views, if you look at it, even, was hysterical. Even, even on what they show, but I, I've been in uh, the rabbit hole on this before. I know some of my Peachtree Hoops guys have been in the rabbit hole on this before as well, but like some of those seats were like just absolutely hysterical. And, and as someone who actually attended a, a final four game in the Georgia dome before uh, it came yeah. to its end, um, sitting in the upper deck to watch a basketball game in the, in the Georgia dome is not a Rock fun bottom. experience. No. It's um, so, and for the, for the, I'm sure what the money was being spent on that. I mean, it's, it's oh, cool to say God. you were there, and that's a ridiculously, uh, I would say, unique setup. Sure. NBA basketball. It's literally the record for attendance. But man, some of those views, even 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 in the dock, it's like people with their binoculars for the duration. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, <what are> you... <laughs> I I mean, like again, I get it. You want to say you were in the building, but like this is a regular season game, right? And we're just, it wasn't, it wasn't that important. We're just in the rafters of the dome hanging out by the catwalk. Oh man. That was, uh, that was peak. And, and Rosa like Parks playing you know, basketball. Shouts to Rosa Parks. Just, in general, I'd say the, just a the tremendous, song, the woman, everything. The, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, hundred percent. All of it. Uh, but no, that, that montage was great. And, uh, just before we move off the soundtrack, the soundtrack was, was incredible. The entire the way. Whole I way. do have questions about Pearl Jam at the end. That was a bold choice. Choice. Um, decisions I, were made. I, I also, I, I just, I, I just love that. Like they played all this hip hop and it's because so many, uh, uh, hip hop artists were like influenced by Michael Jordan. I, I get that, but like Jordan hated rap and yeah. like my man, they, they touched on it in this. Who, who was he listening to? Um, oh man, I Kenny! Just saw um, oh my god! But yeah, like he, he used to listen to like Anita Baker and stuff uh, before games. Like he was not like getting himself hyped up to like what anyone would consider like hype music. Um, but like it was it, 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 that that to me was kind of like Kenny Lattimore. Was there it is. Who it was. Um, which is like again, not music you get hyped to. And he, he, he was also really excited to tell everybody that it was uh, it was not even released yet. No, nah, it was that new. It was that new new. See, generations have been doing it. This is what LeBron does. He's like doing his little IG stories, bouncing to some new like Kendrick Lamar. He's like, yeah, I got this early. MJ was doing <laughs> the first. To Kenny, MJ was doing the first to Kenny Lattimore <laughs> on his Walkman. When hey, oh. it was much harder. I gotta say that's impressive because it was much harder to get like new music then because somebody had to send you a physical copy of that. Right, you couldn't. They couldn't just like idea. email email somebody <laughs> a file. So like that took some serious commitment. Um, but yeah, I I just uh, yeah, like the the soundtrack was was incredible. Uh, just like some of those. So it was just like montages of Jordan destroying people. Set it's to, honestly to some great of the songs. most fun parts of the doc. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, you know, that's not a, a new thing that docs do, but mm -hmm. you know, kind of having those like intermingling, it kind of break things up a little bit. And for sports docs, the highlights are just perfect for that kind of stuff. So it's, oh, yeah. It works great. I mean, we'll talk about some of this in a minute about like some of our sort of non Hawks highlights, but uh, that was. Yeah, it worked great, and the music choices were perfect and to the point where I know there was uh, at least a Spotify list. There were other lists mm -hmm. making their way around that were very popular in the last few weeks because, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're just they're bangers up and down. It wasn't like they were – this was not amateurly done. There was a professional uh, curation happening for this doc. That's, that's, that's no for sure. Doubt. Um, no. Last two things on the Hawks before we get out of here um, on this one. Uh, yep. Shouts to Wally Blaze, who pops up. Legend. Tonight. Uh, before Legend. Game that was uh, Brad. Brad and I are the only two people that like popped for Wally Blaze. It was great. Uh, people don't know this, but maybe not, maybe don't know this. But he was the Hawks head trainer for a long time. Uh, he, mm -hmm. I guess he and I did honestly. I will cop to this. I did not know. I didn't Wally know he was, was, the, was the his assistant trainer for the Bulls. No doubt. And I I, look, I looked it up. I think it was like three or four years that he was there um, before mm -hmm. he came to Atlanta. Um, that was cool. And I was like, wait, that's Wally Blaze. Just a, uh, just just a hero. A, just had a moment right then and there. Uh, and the last thing is. You know the Hawks did face the Jordan Bulls in the playoffs twice. Uh, didn't go didn't well, go as you might no. imagine. A, a no. three-game sweep in '93. Mm -hmm. um, that was a two-seven matchup, so not a big surprise. And mm -hmm. all uh, double-digit losses there. That that was Neek though. That was actually that was Neek's last playoff series with the Hawks. How about that? <laughs> Which I, I didn't even realize. I looked I looked it up tonight. Um, but yeah, 
uh, a, a three-zero sweep, and the '97, the Hawks didn't get swept. That was a second-round series. That was a pretty good team, as you might imagine, with Mookie mm-hmm. Blaylock and Smitty and Leitner and Dikembe and all those guys. They did win a game. They beat the, they beat the Bulls in a playoff series once. Playoff game. Playoff game. Sorry, playoff game inside of, <laughs> inside inside a playoff series. They yeah. and by the way, they won in Chicago. They won they won Ooh. game two in Chicago. To, I'm sure that was really threatening at the time. That was not mentioned oh, yeah. really in the uh, in the doc. But no, they, they skipped they skipped over some of this. I I have to say I have they they showed uh they showed Smitty in the uh, the '98 All Star game. Oh yeah, and like uh, I have uh, that warm up jacket. Of course you do. You probably got it like like last year. You probably like acquired it somehow. Uh, <laughs> you like find these things four or five years ago. I got it. You find these things somehow. It's tremendous. I've seen it. I've seen a few of them. Um. Oh, <laughs> the thing about um that I wanted to, I wanted to mention here uh, as sort of a drive by is that the Hawks never beat LeBron in a play a single playoff game. Um, Correct. And they beat they beat MJ. So there you go. There you go. That's uh, that's the deciding factor in the goat argument. If you want if you want to make the goat argument, that's one one data point. <laughs> one point. Take, one point. If you want, if you want, to, if you want to take it away. Uh, <laughs> never lost to the Hawks. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the the few highlights we saw were not kind to Smitty. Uh, he, no, and they he, was, tried. he was struggling. He was struggling to cover Jordan. I think the Kevin was, was also in the All Star game. I think it was both of those guys they he showed did. at some point. Um, I remember that. I remember taking a mental note of those guys both being there. Mm-hmm. And those two are pretty good, but uh, not quite on the level of MJ not and Kobe. Uh, okay, before we get to non Hawk stuff, a, a quick word from the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are many reasons to love Built Bar on top of the absolutely incredible taste of each and every Built Bar. Built Bar is also fantastic for anyone that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and each single protein bar tastes like a candy bar. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and unlike some others, the bars are soft and easy to chew. My personal favorite is Banana Nut Bread, but there are plenty of other flavors that you can definitely enjoy, including peanut butter brownie and many others. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all bring a spectacular flavor profile to the table. I would absolutely recommend Built Bar. In order to check it out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's an absolutely perfect day to try Built Bar. All right, Robbie, let's pivot away from the Hawks and talk about some favorite moments. I have a bunch listed here. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about some stuff that happened tonight. So if people didn't see this, I'm sorry, but I'm spoiling it. Um, spoiling, quote unquote. Um, the last sort of segment about Reinsdorf and the explanation of sort of blowing the whole thing up after they kind of piled on Kraus for weeks on end. <laughs> They kind of yes. pivoted back to Reinsdorf at the end of this, and that's going to, I'm sure, and the reason why I've started with this now is I'm sure this is going to drive content this week um, in many ways. There would be lots of, like, what would have happened if they had all came back stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what did you make of uh, the explanation that Reinsdorf, and by the way, um, the trick of the Last Dance uh, director giving MJ the iPad was iconic and the, throughout the series, but that, that happened, that happened he here as did. well. Yeah, the yeah. best decision they made was whenever they realized, hey, we should just play these interviews back for Mike and get his reaction. Because that, that created the best the best some of the best content of the entire oh, yeah. series. Like him and all the memes. Him chuckling and saying, the glove after Gary Payton talked about I was defensive. Which like the stats back then up. Like he was much better when Gary Payton was not defending him in that series. Just the way he said it. <laughs> but he was <laughs> so dismissive of it, it was great. Uh and they're even like kind of like the they're I think the first time they did it uh was showing him his mom reading a letter he wrote her in college asking for like stamps or something. Yep. Like stamps of money. And like that was adorable and we were like I was like oh that's that's cool. And then like every time they did it it was just absolute gold. So shouts to uh Jason Hare uh for coming up with that decision the director because i i I, because i don't ever remember seeing anything quite like that in a documentary like this and it's such a it's such a great way to kind of keep bouncing it back and forth because they they interviewed mike three times for this and and you can and like the first one is very clear the, the one where he's sitting in the chair and like the blue shirt and then the the other two 
are clearly the ones that they went back after they had talked to other people. And like, that's a pretty familiar path. Cause you, you kind of talk to the initial subject first. And then as he tells you stories, you make notes about things you want to ask other people. And then as they fill in those stories or, or tell other stories, you want to go back and talk to that person. But I, I can't ever remember seeing anything where they're like, here, I'm just going to show you straight up what they said. I mean, like usually it'll be like, too. Yeah, like, and it was, and every time it was gold. Like I would watch another ten hours of him just watching people talk about him. I mean, the way and it's great. It, it worked out even better because of the way that he reacted. And you know, yeah. you know, I'm sure he, he's obviously aware that he's on camera, so he's probably selling it a little bit. But it's a uh, you know his visual, you know, his facial reactions were tremendous to all of that stuff. That was a lot of like the the shareable content to which the way that his face kind of lights up on certain aspects. And I'm with you. Like I'm not seeing anybody, you know, go back to that. Maybe maybe it's happened before, but the i like just literally the physical presentation of an iPad and here watch this and we're gonna record you and then talk about it. It works great in this particular one, especially because MJ is that kind of petty god. Like oh, he, yeah. he he he's a perfect subject to do this with. It would have been a great idea regardless, I think. But this this situation is just like you know ideal for it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really kind of kind of brought things to a different level. I mean, like there are plenty of valid criticisms of the documentary, and like I think everything needs to be taken with the appropriate grain of salt when it comes to like just like yes. believing this as the gospel. Uh, because this is very clearly the gospel according to Michael. Um, and, and like, that's again, I, and the thing is, I think there's some value to that because a lot of people have pointed out most of this stuff wasn't new. You know, we, yeah. if you, if you read the book, if you'd read the books, you know, the, the big, you know, the Jordan rules, rare air, uh, all, you know, all the books about Mike and the bulls, you've heard these stories. If you watched the Dream Team doc, you'd heard the Kukoc story. Um, however, it was interesting. A lot of those books don't have direct quotes from Mike because he, you know, he wasn't talking to Sam Smith for the Jordan Rules. It is interesting to hear his perspective, but again, that's all part of the entire story. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it was Mike propaganda, but at the same time, don't we all love Michael Jordan propaganda? Haven't I mean, we? Didn't we all grow clearly. up? Didn't we all grow up with Michael Jordan propaganda? I was going to say that I his mean, entire career. Isn't that the entire way the media always presented it? Aside from those few bits and pieces. Yeah, that's what I, we loved. We loved Gatorade. Be like, we loved Space Jam. We loved all this crap. I mean, it was because it was, that's it was what brazen. we wanted. It was it was brazen in the dock, but at the same time, it's important to remember that you know diehards knew this stuff for sure uh people that are a little bit older knew this stuff for sure but like you're younger than me you, yeah. you weren't like living this i mean you no. were you were a kid and you know you because you're in the industry you've heard all this stuff because you you're dialed in more than anybody sure. would normally be but people your age that were that are not what you do don't know all this story don't know all this no. story. and don't. i mean that's why and that's why he did it like he wanted to have another generation know about mike and whether he would admit i mean like he has the plausible deniability that like, Oh, this was about LeBron or whatever. Cause like, there's a story that <laughs> came out, like he took the meeting and like, I think what's funny is everybody's like, well, he had already scheduled that meeting for that day. Well, here's the thing. No matter what happened in that game seven, there was going to be a good reason for Michael Jordan to want to have this out there. One of two things was going to happen. LeBron was going to finish off the grace comeback in finals history and assert himself into the GOAT conversation. Or the Golden State Warriors were going to become the best team in NBA history, according to a lot of people. One of the two was going to happen. It wasn't just LeBron that he was worried about, I don't think. There was also the Warriors aspect of it, where they had just completed a 73-9 and season, and if they had won the day before this meeting that he took where he said, like, let's do this, then... There's something to combat there. His legacy was on the line no matter what in 2016. Um, and so that, I don't think there's a coincidence there. I mean, there's no coincidence how this whole thing was put together. But at the same time, it was enjoyable to watch. Like, I think there is 
again, some danger in just blindly going into it and saying like, this is exactly how it happened. This is yeah. the I would word. Not, I, I would not do that. <laughs> the word, the capital W word. Um, but at the same time, it's his story. And it's, it was fascinating to watch because like you said, like I, I had heard some of these stories, but it was really interesting to hear them from that perspective and directly from some of these people. And, you know, like the other thing was like, it did touch on some stuff that I wasn't sure it was going to. Yeah. They did an entire episode on the gambling. They didn't necessarily need to do that. They could have brushed over that in five minutes. Right. They, they had to hit it, but they did dive in. I think that was probably the biggest, I don't know, I'm not even sure how to put this, like more of like a consolation that he gave in like, yeah he didn't need to do that. He could have said no to that part and it still yeah. would have, they still would have made the doc. So like, obviously MJ and the company had control, had some control here. They were a producing partner that kind of gives you the, the automatic, you know, there's a, a bit of weirdness there, but he did either participate or sign off on, or however you want to say that on some things mm-hmm. that he didn't have to do to make this yeah. happen. And like is, they got that, into, that and they got into, you know, his personality and, and like, there was obviously like, there's obviously a slant of like, well, it's part of what made him great. And that's always been yeah. there, but like they did have guys talking about it. They did have guys talking about like Mike, you know, they like will produce on there saying like, yeah, he was an asshole. He was a jerk, like straight up. Like, they, you know, and like, there's always this weird, like deification of that kind of attitude and it's Mike and it's Kobe. And, um, you know, I think, the thing that I always come back to is like, I think it was a flaw they could get around by being as good as they were and working as hard as they did. Like you could, you just kind of accepted it rather than it being like a, a shining feature of why they won. Like the drive is why they won. How they handled it was kind of something that people like, you know, dealt with. Um, like you put up with it because he was Mike and you put up with Kobe because he was Kobe, but there were guys that didn't like Shaq was not going to really take that because he was Shaq. <laughs> he I, can't, I can't remember who I was. I was listening to a podcast. I can't even forgive me. I don't, I don't remember who it was. that said this, but there, there were some, there were some maybe not super well-known, but well-known enough stories of guys on the bulls that they never reference at any point in this doc. Cause basically MJ ran them off. Like guys yeah. who just couldn't be there, and they weren't super prominent guys. They weren't Shaq, sure. obviously, but they were guys who you know could have been role players for them. That mm-hmm. he kind of just ran off because they couldn't deal with it. And you know, shout out to Scott Burrell for hanging in there because uh, a, a, a a real hero. I, every every at least every single night, so at least once every two episodes, they, they had Jordan just killing that dude. I mean, he just I kept coming it. back. He he catch straight. I mean, to, even tonight, I kind of thought it was over, and then. <laughs> We all have the same reaction, like, oh, there's there's three more strays for Scott Burrell. Like, (laughs) what is going on? It was just, it was, I was glad that they, I was glad that they referenced Scott Burrell having that nice game against the Nets. They gave, you know, they, they, they kind of built the main portion of like Mike killing him in practice. They built that around like we were going to need him. And that was some storytelling, of course. Yeah. Uh, But it was nice that they showed that at least. And, and hey, Scott Burrell is a good, (laughs) hey, I don't know if there's anybody that comes out of this looking better than Scott Burrell because now we know what he went through and he's been a good sport about all of this and like and everybody's everybody even in the doc even I think MJ and other people like Scott Burrell is like apparently like a, like a genuinely nice human so that's yeah that's helpful but yeah, yeah I, I love uh, Mike being like I tried to get him to fight me but he wouldn't I want <laughs> I just want to make sure we shout out Scott Burrell at some point because no uh, he, it needs to happen that was uh it was it, it was both a, both a uh, something that produced a lot of hilarity during the doc sort of at his expense but because he handled it well it's easier to laugh about it cuz uh, there were there were multiple moments that were like laugh out loud funny like especially the yeah. one tonight where they just kind of came out it kind of came out of nowhere oh, it's like yeah. oh he wasn't he wasn't even involved why, why, why <laughs> he wasn't even Scott in the again? room not oh, even in the gosh. room he's just like don't talk to, don't talk to Scott Burrell. oh it was so good uh but yeah i, I the the whole the whole overarching criticism of the doc being too MJ friendly is like obviously you know I think anyone who watched this thinking it was not going to be that was just misguided all the way as oh, soon as you, sure. as soon as we all knew you know what it took to do this and that was the release of the footage which MJ mm-hmm. had veto power over 
It's like, as soon as you, if you, I guess if you didn't know that, you might be upset. But if you had any knowledge whatsoever <laughs> that this, this, this doc does not get made without his approval. Like, yeah. You could have done, I guess you could have done an MJ doc without it, but you wouldn't have the footage and the footage is what you wanted. Well, and that's, the th- and I mean, I think that was the biggest, the biggest critique was because they did so much of the history. Yeah. Oh, they, went, was, they, they, went, they, they went fairly deep on some of that stuff. Yeah, it wasn't as much a documentary about the 97-98 Bulls as I think nope. we thought it was going to be. There wasn't as much of that footage, which was the new stuff. Like, that was the only new stuff. That was the only chance we got to see stuff we didn't know we hadn't seen before because it was locked up in the vault um, at Mike's they, house they, or whatever. They told the – honestly, what it comes down to, and I agree with what you said – what it comes down to is they they decided for better or worse to kind of make this a very broad appeal, mm-hmm. and it was not for diehards. I mean, we no, all loved it, anyway, which is fine. But again, they, which is what, they, probably what you should do, <laughs> right? And that's the whole thing. Like you don't, you know, if you take a step back and realize, yeah, this wasn't necessarily targeted for people that knew all the stories already. But even then, those people still watched it and probably still enjoyed it. Well, and then if you tell the story in a way that is way more broad and like takes them on this journey, you get people that are not necessarily inclined to watch it. That might be more interested in it. I don't know. Also, like, I think, I think one of the things, and this, that's, this is a thing about sports media in general is you're never targeting the diehards almost ever. And the reason is they're going to consume everything possible. It's like game broadcast. Like, we always talk about yeah, this. Yes, we always talk about this on game broadcast. Like we we diehards hate the monotony of game broadcast and just like the the non sequiturs and the random conversations and all these discussions that aren't just dialed in on the game. And it's because it's not for you. Like they are targeting if you're producing television, you are targeting the lowest common denominator. The diehards are going to watch that game no matter what. They might mute you, but you don't care about that. They're there. Like if, you, if you're if you ESPN and you're producing a basketball game, you're not producing it to give the person that's got league pass and is watching 50 games a week, you're not producing for them because they're going to be there. And you shouldn't produce it for them. Now, it doesn't mean there shouldn't be outlets or uh, – you know, people that do that, like there, there are places for those people to go and to get the deep dive content into the nuances and uh, just kind of the, the, the real deep stuff about the game. There are places for you to go and get that. What you're trying to do is you're just trying to get the people that, that might just be tuning in on a Wednesday night because it's the national game of the week and we're just trying to watch it. Um, and so you're always trying to like find that balance, but you're always going to lean towards the casual fan. Now yep. there's a question to be had about whether the casual fan wants Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy crapping on the game all the time. <laughs> there's something to be said about that's not great for it, but at the same time, you're like, okay, like you just kind of have to like, this is my argument, like Reggie Miller. Like, I, I've just grown to be in on Reggie Miller. I and and I know you're not there with me yet. I'm working on it, but sure. like, Mark and Jeff don't seem to enjoy anything about the games. Almost nothing. Like, they like LeBron. Sometimes they like you know some great players specifically, and they they'll they'll talk about them. But like. Overall, they seem just to have this disdain for how the game is played today. And that rubs off on the fans that are watching. Like that That's why you'll hear people talk about like, oh, it's not the same as the 90s NBA. It's not just because they think that. It's because that's what is getting told to them while they watch the games by the people broadcasting it. Um, but like my thing with Reggie is like Reggie genuinely loves watching basketball, watching the modern NBA. And I think part of that's because – he has a recognition that like, this is honestly kind of where I started pushing the game. You know, I was part of this stretching it out beyond the three point line. I was at the forefront of this and like, he could see himself playing in this NBA and he could see himself in it uh, in a way that I think some of the, you know, like 
if you're Jeff Van Gundy and you coach the 90s Knicks, you don't see a lot of yourself in this. No. You know, you see kind of a bastardization of what you think basketball should be. So I get it, but at the same time, I'm not sure that's the right ambassador for the game on your biggest broadcast. Neither here nor there. But Reggie enjoys basketball, and he has a passion for it, and he's genuinely happy. Is he obnoxious? Yes, but Reggie the player was obnoxious. That's part of his appeal. That is the stick of, uh, of Reggie. He was, he was not shy. He flopped, and he preened after every big shot, and he was a peacock on the floor. That's what he was, <laughs> you know? Nobody peacocked quite like Reggie. And... I, I've grown to just appreciate watching basketball and watching – and part of it is he's paired with uh, who I think is maybe maybe the best, most enjoyable play-by-play guy in Kevin Harlan, and their energies match each other. And I think that pairing is so good for that reason. It's like Harlan is a high-energy guy and Reggie's a high-energy guy. And sometimes it goes off the rails and Reggie says some stupid stuff. But if you put anybody on the game broadcast that often – they're going to say some stuff that doesn't make sense or they're going to, you know, every, almost everybody does it, you know, like we can't all be Doris Burke. Yes. Who, no one again, can. Doris Burke on the finals broadcast, put her on the lead ESPN broadcast. Come on. But again, Doris Burke also loves basketball and that is a yeah. key, my enjoyment of watching games. So that's why I like Reggie probably more than anyone other than Doris on the, that level. And by the way, uh, Reggie was fantastic on the dock. He's a great storyteller. That's the other thing. He, he, he's not quite Magic Johnson, who's the best storyteller in basketball. And I would love for ESPN to just tell him to tell stories into his cell phone. Uh, like, just give him a prompt each week on, like, one team or one player and <laughs> tell him to tell stories for an hour, and I'll, I'll be parked in front of my TV. Yeah, we'll be good. I'll be parked. Uh, but Reggie, Reggie's like that too. Reggie's a great storyteller. Like winning time is spectacular for that reason. Cause Reggie can tell those stories so well. Uh, and also like, I think it's, it's kind of funny, like watching him talk about the things he did on the court and kind of how he got away with stuff. And he happily admits it cause he knows what he was doing. We're like, Mike's like in denial about that stuff. Mike's like, I need to push off on Brian Russell. Oh, I mean, which like the, even <laughs> even if his momentum was going that way, you did push a little bit. Well, right. Like, that, that's it's the... fine. It's fine if you want to say like it shouldn't have been a foul because he was going that way anyway. Whatever, that's fine by me. But like to just like outright be like, no, never pushed him. Where Reggie's like, oh yeah, I shoved that guy. Well, it's the, <laughs> I mean, everything. It's actually kind of just perfect, Jordan, because he's not going to ever give you any sort of inch on maybe he didn't do something the best that could possibly be done. Be done. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. That's actually a pretty good encapsulation. No, it's just, it's just funny. But uh, yeah, so that's my, that's my Reggie Miller rant. I, I understand. I, I've come around a little bit on Reggie. I don't think he's a very good game analyst, but I no, do, I mean, like, I do appreciate not, what you're he's saying. Not, he's not dialed, but like, he's, he's really not my, he's not my least situation. favorite either, by the way. I mean, I, I've been critical of him in the past. He is not yeah. the worst. Not the worst. No, but and I mean, I guess, I guess for me, that's part of it. It's like, yeah. I mean, if we, I am judging people on the sliding scale that is the national broadcasters, and I would have like Doris up here. He's gotten a lot of heat. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I do think that at one point, maybe you could argue Reggie was like near the bottom. I think you know that it's not exactly a strength right now. I don't think uh, across the NBA landscape uh, to have uh, those kind of lead analyst types. There's not a ton of them that I love, and. Mm-hmm. uh so yeah, that's part of it too. Is that maybe he's just closer to the middle than he used to be? But I, I'm with you on everything else. Like I don't particularly love him in that role, but he he was great on the dock. He's great when he you get him like talking um, about you know kind of using his energy a little bit more effectively. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, I don't think I love him in certain situations, but that's fine. It works for me. You you've sold me a little bit on Reggie. That's all. Um, that's all I'm here for. <laughs> Fighting the we, good fight for Reggie. For sure. Uh, before we get to the rest of uh, what I would say is probably some rapid fire stuff coming in a moment, a word from the good folks at Blinkist. It is sometimes very hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more when you don't have the free time. You can't read or work on personal development, but there's an incredible app that solves this problem. I would call it an ultimate life hack, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. 
Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, and it takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and brings them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can you start using the information that you discern right away. And with with its audio feature, Blinkist also makes it easy to read to read and finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist already right now as a massive and growing library from self-help books to business, health, history, etc., etc. Blinkist has all the latest titles from, from bestseller lists as well, um, in, in addition to classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but never had the, abstra- the actual time to go ahead and do so. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience as well. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start a seven-day free trial. From there, you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, Robbie, let's tackle some other highlights mm-hmm. from the doc. We could, we, we could do three hours on this. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one thing I wanted to make sure I brought up is that, uh, I loved, 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 I know you did as well. Cause I, I read your, uh, thing about it with Bill, um, the, the use of college highlights early on oh. in the doc, especially with my personal favorite was all Robin. the Pippin highlights. Robin um, and Pippin were the two best. The Pippin ones, like, I think everybody kind of knew that he came from central Arkansas, but like, that is like, you could hear that and not really understand what it means. Cause like. <laughs> That being a top five pick from Central Arkansas is like absolutely ludicrous, um, and then you watch him play college and high school, and it's like, oh, that that makes more sense. Well, now. it's hysterical because he like he grew like what like five inches. I also did appreciate that you know they talk about like Mike, uh, and they talk about Scotty, and like all oh, the work they put in, all this. But I did appreciate that they also were like. Both of them grew like five inches in one summer, and that made the difference. Like when they're talking about Michael making the making his high school team his junior year after getting cut his sophomore year, like the coach is like, "Well, I mean, he was six six all of a sudden." <laughs> I mean, you there's know, a, like, like that, that, it, that it doesn't have to be that way, but there are a lot of NBA stories that feature like a sudden six six, six inch growth spurt. It does happen quite a bit, and it's helpful for people. <laughs> yeah, it's a big thing in basketball. Like Anthony, Anthony Davis is one I just remembered in my head, like. AD was like famously like a three-star guard at one point, and uh, and then the next year he was like six ten, and it's like oh okay, mm-hmm. okay. now you're gonna be now, now you're gonna be all an all, all, all NBA MVP candidate, awesome, right? That works. And so it's like it's important that when we talk about you know it's it's look I I I, I appreciate the messaging of like work hard and do all this, but there's some factors outside oh, yeah. your control. That go into this, and, and then by some- the way, uh, shouts. I will say, you know, because we said this before, Jerry Krause got piled on a lot in this doc. Jerry Krause did a lot of good things as a GM. He's also like kind of insufferable, oh, apparently. Yeah. But like, he's the guy who drafted Scottie Pippen from Central Arkansas. Uh, he did a lot of other things as well that made a lot of sense. But like, that's one that you got to get some credit for. Is if you get if you get a guy who's like a top twenty five player of all time, and he played like was that D two. It definitely yeah. wasn't D one at the time. Yeah. It, it was NAI. NAI. That's what it was. D- NAI. You drafted someone from NAI from NAI school with a top five pick, fifth overall. Traded it up for him, and it worked perfectly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's maybe one. Than, honestly, maybe better than any draft pick in the last it's, thirty yeah, years. Yeah, it's one definitely overall. one of the best. I mean, yeah. when you consider where he came from and what he became. Uh, yeah, that's that's one. I'm, but I really did. I really did love watching those two guys. I'm glad you mentioned Robin, Robin too. Those highlights. I mean, obviously, MJ highlights are more readily accessible. But even some of those were cool to see. That yeah, you don't. I, and like again, that was that was what it was for me as somebody who like I had never really seen anything like that. Like I didn't, you know, I'd see I had seen the shot against Georgetown. That's probably the only real like Mike in college highlights. I'd never seen Scotty, and I had never seen Robin. And so seeing both of those was was. Uh, those were cool. Um, yeah. I thought. I thought. I thought. Really, the the places they did that this documentary did the best and was touching on newer ground was whenever they 
whenever they dipped into the archival footage was was yep. whether it was those montages we talked about earlier of of like like basically the reminders of like hey this is how good michael was you know um which like sure play those all day they're incredible to watch like he was unbelievable um and just all of those um all those were 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 really cool from college highlights to nba highlights all all of it yeah no i i totally agree it was very uh useful the way they did it as well but those were good to drop in um i have to make sure i ask you about uh carmen electra sure because she came back again in episode 10 talking about about dennis dennis doing wcw which i honestly i knew he did that but i i forgot i forgot the timing um yeah just right after game three in the the middle of the nba finals can you imagine that happened today i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of that question you just asked me uh that we've all been talking about even you and I, um, yeah. the, can you imagine if this happened thing yeah. now, but it yeah. really is true. There are so many instances of this. A lot of them are Rodman, but I mean, the MJ stuff too, the MJ gambling stuff, all, all, all this stuff that's been out there, but the Rodman, all the Rodman stories, the, the first <laughs> Vegas trip that's well-documented. And then this one to go, you literally go do professional wrestling in the middle of the NBA finals. Like, I mean, like it's, it's quite literally. What if in 2017, Draymond Green skips out after game three. He missed practice. He just didn't show up. He didn't tell anybody where he went. He shows, and everybody's like, he wasn't at practice today. And then that night, we're all watching television, and Draymond Green pops up on Monday Night Raw to, like, cut a promo on. And the credit, the, like, it wasn't just that he went to go be on WCW Nitro with Hulk Hogan and all that. It's that he went to cut a promo on Carl Malone, who he was playing in a series that at the time was 2-1. He hit DDP with a chair. He did hit DDP with a chair. They were setting up a tag, a, a match between Hogan and Rodman and DDP and Carl Malone at a pay-per-view. Rodzilla, by the way. I just want to correct you Rodzilla on that. Was Rodzilla was my favorite part of the whole thing. So, like, it's something that's been – that story is known. Yes. Again, this is where – the doc was able to kind of shed some new light showing the practice footage the next day where like Phil Phil Jackson's joking about it. Michael Jordan breaks the huddle with one, two, three (laughs) Rodzilla. And, and by the way, they had the, they had the behind the scenes um, shot of the PR guy sneaking him out of the, sneaking him out of the building and he's sprinting up the stairs. By the way, I have gone, that's great footage. Gone up those stairs. Went up those stairs at All Star this year. It's a lot of stairs. I mean, that is fantastic footage. I mean, it is. Pe- pe- people like you and me that like understand how this media stuff works. The fact that they they were able to follow a PR guy to like yeah. scheme to get him out of the building like that happens. That's happened to me. That's happened yeah. to you. Yes, like, a guy has gotten like shepherded out of the building, but not actually seeing how it happened. <laughs> okay, so after game two of the ooh. 2000 i guess it was 2012 playoffs uh that series against the celtics where they went down 2-0 at home uh after game two in atlanta uh everybody except for marvin williams who wasn't playing a lot and i think zaza pachulia and oh god jason collins we're the only three people that came to talk to media. Joe, Josh, Al, everybody else just slipped out the back. I'm, I'm looking at the box score from that game, uh, and I can I can kind of see why they did that. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well that night. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's hilarious. But I mean, it's happened before, obviously. But just again, this is where the access. And if anything, I know you feel this way because you've said it on Twitter and other places. But we we could people like you and I could have just used more of the practice footage and like more yeah. of like the behind the scenes stuff. And I wish I almost wish the doc, the doc was 10 hours longer. And I'm not joking well, when I say the, that. That's the thing. I mean, I, I was, I have had the SVP on here in, in the background. You did, like they, they did <laughs> shots to SVP. Um, and they were interviewing uh, Jason Hare and they had 500 hours of footage that they had to sift through. For I mean, this. just like, release the footage. That's, that's all I want. Like put it, I, I put it on ESPN I, plus for like a, 
small, yeah. not not small fee. I'll I'll nominal, pay for it. Nominal fee. Uh, or just put it on ESPN Plus. Get a subscription. You can watch all the Jordan practices. Like that would be incredible. Um, because like I, yeah, like I, that's that's all I really I want to see. Like I wrote, I wrote a thing today for for Dime. Uh, gonna, you know, a little plug here. Uh, about like the five follow ups I want from the footage they didn't use. One of them was Michael Jordan watching all the interviews on an iPad. Um, but the others were like, uh, one of them was, I, I want Ahmad Rashad to just tell Michael stories. Ahmad Rashad Secondly, is 70 years old. 70. 70. Secondly, I just want a Ahmad Rashad documentary. Straight I up. I mean, the he's man, incredible. he's done everything in the world. I mean, there's that famous photo of, uh, isn't it his wedding when it's like yeah, Bill Cosby and OJ. It's like the most incredible photo you've ever seen in your life. But yeah, I mean, the fact that Amal Rashad is 70 years old, it looks like he, it looks like he's in his mid forties. Like mm-hmm. if that he's like Leonard Hamilton, mm-hmm. he just looks like he doesn't age at all. And he's everywhere. He's in the locker room. Like he's on the footage. Like, I, I, by the way, it cannot be stated enough. He was working for NBC Yes. at the time. Yes. This is not like a front. I mean, obviously they were friends, but this is like if LeBron had, I don't even know who the equivalent is for right now. Like, I mean, pick your silent reporter of choice. Ledlow? I guess. She's probably the most famous person that does that. But like, yeah, pick, sure. This is like if they, if, if Chris Ledlow was just in a pregame locker room chilling for no reason, like just for hours Chatting on it end. Chatting it up. Chatting it up. And they're just like, she's in every, I mean, he's in every shot. Like, it's unbe- it's unbelievable. They're in the, they're in the car. Like all all of the MJ. By the way, another sidebar here. MJ's vanity plates, dude. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, he has like every single one. He is not he is not shy about who he is. No no subtlety to MJ's car game. But the one the one Range Rover where it just it, Amaj just in the car. Like he, they're just going home. Like how, also, why is he in the car? <laughs> they're Who's going to play cards. I, just, well, I, I mean, I, like I think my I mean, like I think my favorite thing is like learning all these like intricate relationships like magic johnson's covering the he's nba finals color. yeah he's doing, doing color color in 1992 sport. and the night before game one he's at mike's house playing cards till i'm sure like three in the morning oh conservatively <laughs> like, <laughs> and mike's just like yeah i'm gonna kill clyde drexler tomorrow and magic's and, like cool 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 and then, and then, he, like, and then, he, and then he does it and no, he I mean, does it. It is kind of uh, it is kind of um, lost to time when, basically, that entire run, an, an extremely famous former player is doing color. It's Magic, and then it's Isaiah later on. Isn't that and, hilarious? That, and then, the, that the booth was Isaiah Thomas and Doug Collins doing all these games. Yeah, Doug, that who Michael Jordan's in winning. And obviously, it was well known at this point, even then, that MJ and Isaiah did not get along. No. Um, and the fact that MJ still hates Isaiah now, 20 something years later is unbelievable to me. 30 years later. But I mean, uh, but the fact that you have Isaiah who like probably doesn't like Michael either and has to commentate on these games in a way that is, you know, you would imagine is trying to be down the middle. And then you have Bob Costas, who's like just pretty openly rooting against Dennis Rodman <laughs> during games. He's like crapping on Dennis Rodman, like in the middle of live play. Like, it's like, what is happening right now? The 90s were wild, man. I mean, Bob, to be fair, Bob Costas was like the biggest thing in sports media for that time. So that's, oh, he, yeah. had, he had he had more latitude. Car- than people. Carte blanche. I mean, people that are younger may not know this, but like Bob Costas was like Stephen A. Smith of the day mm-hmm. or more. I would say mm-hmm. probably more. Oh, um, yeah. That's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of leverage that Bob Costas had. But still, he's, he's doing play-by-play in the finals and is like pretty much blasting Rodman, like mm-hmm. play-to-play. Not like in the also, middle of a halftime segment. Also, kind of uh, say the the one. So like that people were talking like ah oh, like we didn't hear from everybody on that Bulls team, and I'm like okay whatever. I can't believe we didn't get a Bill Walton interview. Yeah, maybe he said no. I don't know. I mean, there, like, obviously people, Bill, people Bill said Walton no. was doing these games. There were people that said no for sure. I know, I know like I know like Luke Longley said no for instance. Yeah. Uh, I know Carl Malone said no. There were, there were a couple other ones that I know. Which like okay good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, need, I don't need any Carl Malone. Honestly, I'm good on that. But uh, yeah, there were a few. Wasn't there? Does wasn't the Stockton interview like an old interview or something that they ran tonight? I don't even know. But no, there no. was people that they that they missed out on for it sure. Was, it, was, it was on just now. Uh, you can't like, get it, everyone. It is what it is. Like no, and like also like I'm sure they had to cut a bunch of folks. 
Oh my gosh. Can you imagine how many hours of interviews that, 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 that didn't run? Six interviews. And I'm sure they were all like an hour long. Plus like there was one of the stories was that Rodman told uh, the director, he was going to sit for 10 minutes then sat for three hours. Yeah. Also, uh, can we just, can we quickly shout out David Aldridge, the King? The God. That was, on my, that was on my list. David Aldridge was perhaps my favorite part of the doc. Was um, a, he, first off, David Aldridge is a superstar. Uh, also an insanely nice human being. And also has stories about everybody. I I don't remember things that I covered five years ago. And David yeah. Aldridge just like remembers everything. Like I mean, I, I think I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, I've not done the math on this, but I'm fairly sure he was in the doc more than any non-player. Oh, he, I think he was in the doc more than anybody other than Jordan. I mean, they, they went to him more than Rodman. He's in the, he's, he's in, he's in that thing a lot. Like he's in there more than people that you would like. You would honestly, if you, if you asked me before the doc started, (laughs) who, 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 who's the number one person that they're going to interview. That's going to be a piece, a member of the media. I would have said Wilbon. just because of Chicago and he's like, he's part of it. I think part of it was like Wilbon wasn't necessarily on that beat. Yeah. Because he was no. with the Washington Post. But it's a lot. I mean, I, I know they interviewed a lot of media people, but it's a lot of Aldridge. Well, also, By the way, I, he's just great. Well, I think, and I think that's why. Yeah, it has Again, to be. Like, this, like, you can ask David Aldridge about a game he covered in 1992, a regular season game, and he can tell you everything that happened off the top of his head. Yeah, like that's that's it. I mean, there's a reason why like, he's still filing ask, like seven thousand word columns shit. every week. And if you ask me about the game I covered in 2014, I'm like, I can't yeah. tell you who I play. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, he was a he was a star. Any, any was there anybody else that you wanted to make sure we talked about that was like part of the doc that we haven't discussed or that we? Uh, I think I think my like all stars would be Da Bj Armstrong was spectacular. That one segment was very was very good. Yes, BJ BJ Armstrong just consistently like great stories about uh, Jordan and everything. Um, uh, yeah, I mean like Carmen Electric popping up and just giving some giving some color on Dennis Rodman, just throwing yeah. 112 as well. Still in 2020, just amazing I mean, just, performance. Just you know casually popping up to, to let you I really enjoyed how they cut it where like Mike was like I'm not going to say who was in there and then they're like Carmen Electra is going to tell you because she was in the room because she was there yeah. <laughs> he's like I'm not going to say who was there and Carmen Electra's like it was me um, that was that was a highlight yes. um, but yeah I mean uh, I mean I mean Jordan was great talking yeah, about he's probably the obvious choice he's I mean, he was MVP, but you know he I, always was gonna they kind of went hard on scotty a little bit boy yeah i they they were not the kindest to scotty um he was a trooper talked about everything i mean if you watch and by, going back to, to the one tonight if you watch the way he is moving in game six of 98 finals i mean he it, looks it, like it me. looks like you after nine holes yeah, he looks like me after any physical activity whatsoever. And by the way, people don't know this probably, but I have a very bad back. Um, <laughs> and I, if it locks up, it locks up. But there's nothing you can do. But yeah, that it looks like, and I can't remember who says on Twitter, but did did the Jazz just not understand that, that Scotty couldn't move? You couldn't exploit this at all. Like, you could certainly make the argument that the Bulls would have been better off still playing him because of what he could do. But the Bulls didn't. I mean, the Jazz didn't seem to be targeting the man who couldn't move. Yeah, and that that's an interesting choice. Seems like a mistake. Uh, sidebar: the the Jazz in that same series scored fifty four American <laughs> points in an NBA yes. Finals game. Yeah, in an should've NBA Finals game, contracted the team on the spot. That was uh that was the record low for any game in the NBA since the Chocolate era happened. When it happened, it's actually been broken since then. It's still the playoff low, which is did the did the Hawks scored like fifty one in a game in Chicago a couple years ago. Oh God, I hope that's not true, but I don't remember now. Hold on. There was a game. There was a there was a rough night. Oh no, they've had a few, but I don't think I don't think, I don't think it was. I don't, I don't know if it was fifty. It might have been sixty. I had the list. Was... I found the list earlier today. Here we go. Uh, no, it was not not the Hawks. The Hawks mercifully are not there. Okay. Um, the Bulls, the Bulls, the the rebuilding Bulls in '99 scored forty nine oh against, against the Heat. 
Uh, and then the Nuggets scored 53 against the Pistons in 2002. Uh, those are the two lowest of all time. Um, and the Heat tied the Bulls with 54 in 2008. Okay. There's one re- there were a couple recently that were like in the 60s. Yeah, there was, was there, there, there've been some halves always, that were that bad, but 54 points always, in a full game oh, is just terrible. I mean, in an NBA Finals game too, like can you imagine covering that? Like I mean, think about us now. If that happened now and like the whole world including us was covering the game and one team scored 54 points in the finals, I don't even know what we would do. Like how do you even talk about that? Um, I guess other stuff. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, I have a couple more things I wanted to at least throw out there. Gambling stuff was incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, Michael Jordan just heaving money on getting terrible odds on pitching quarters. I don't. I don't have a gambling problem. I have a. I have a competition problem. Is an. Is an iconic quote from from the getting a tattoo on my back. I mean, the, my man with the hair that beats him with quarters is just. The security guy. Also, I did think that was a cool thing. This uh, the security guy uh, stuff tonight was really cool oh, yeah, actually Gus awesome. about really awesome. Gus and how close he was to all those guys. And like, I guess Rachel Nichols either I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure if she was reporting that, but she tweeted out tonight that she heard or somebody confirmed later that Mike paid for all of it Gus's medical, yeah. which was cool. Yeah, um, I thought I thought um, I thought some of the best parts of the doc were when they they kind of we saw human Mike because that doesn't yep. happen often. Um, and so that there was some other stuff with, you know, his father and, uh, just some other moments that were rare glimpses at Michael Jordan, human being, the um, traveling co- the traveling co- cocaine circus quote, uh, all timer, <laughs> all timer. Um, yeah, like, but can we talk about how, how Michael was just a terrible odds setter, just terrible bookmaking on his part on those quarters. Like. He's just giving them all the throws to set the mark, and then he's taking he's taking three throws when they got like twelve. What are you doing? That's degenerate behavior. Uh, it was bad, and then he was like so angry as well. You could tell he was just well, seething about also, the loss. Well, the thing is, he's also saying like I'm getting terrible odds, and then he's like, book it. Like he he's in the moment knowing like I am getting robbed here. And yet, let's play. <laughs> Deal the cards. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about this, for, this stuff forever. I, I do. I do think the, the the broader takeaway, at least for me, is like I, I you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Did I, I? I learned some. I didn't learn as much as other people would, I'm sure. Um, but even then, like I wasn't like I was old when this happened. Like I'm older than you, but I was still like in middle school for a lot of this in elementary school for some of it. So I learned a lot of stuff and people, I think that were, you know, my brother is a basketball coach in high school and learned a ton because he's just younger. That's just what happens. Yeah. So, uh, I think it was, you know, all the criticisms aside about how it was, you know, sort of one-sided. I think it was quite well done overall. Like, you know, the timeline questions, I didn't, I it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't bother me. It really didn't. So like, it wasn't hard to follow. It wasn't hard to follow the reasoning either. Everything all, like, it all matched yeah. up. There was actually one time, I think it was Chris Herring said this, and I actually agreed tonight. Our uh, Your friend and mine, Chris Herring. Um, shouts to Chris. Um, there was the only one time I literally even had any doubt about where we were in the story was tonight, because it, it, like, basically the two timelines finally kind of caught up to each other a little bit. <laughs> And at one point they were in the 97 finals and the 98 playoffs at the same time or 98. Fl- I was like, wait, which year are we in? Cause they were playing the jazz both times. I was like, Oh, this is a bit strange, but that, that was like 30 seconds. And the rest of the time like, they told you where they were going. I mean, they, they put the they, thing they, up on the graphic. They literally did a whole timeline graphic where they're like, we're going back in time. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, like all the stories were like catching up with what we were going to see in present day. Like, I, right. I there was the method of the madness, which yeah. is where my whole thing was. I understand I was just that it was just like melting down about this. I, I understand why people didn't love it necessarily, but or love the decision to kind of but just take it all the way back. But being confused right, watching that's, it, like, that's what I'm saying. It's more of like if you didn't. I thought this was going to be a documentary about this season only. Right. Sure, and I, I totally get that as a gripe if you want to have one, but. You know, once it became clear what they were going to do, which was take you through, through the entire thing, 
that was probably the best way to do it because if you want to just like if they wanted to do that, you would not have, you would not have wanted them to start in you know 1984 in episode one and just go all the way through. That that wouldn't have worked as well, I don't think. I don't, I don't think so either. I I thought I thought the pacing was great. I thought the way they handled things was was really well. And um, yeah, like I mean, like I said, there's valley criticism about the perspective and all of that and. I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I think they did, um, they did a very good job. And like, I, I mean, they had quite literally over a thousand hours of stuff to sift through. Cause they had more I, than five. I want to see more still. Yeah. And I just, and like, that's the thing. Like when, when we think about, it, we're like, Oh my God, 10 hour documentary. That's so much. It's like, it's really not with how much they had to go off of because you've got 500 hours of behind the scenes footage. You've got thousands of hours of game footage. You have hundreds of hours of interviews. And it's like, I I can't even imagine having to sift through all of this. And I'm sure there were things that they had to cut that they just wish they couldn't have. And and yeah, I, I wish they would just load the SPM plus up with stuff, more practice stuff. I want all the Jordan golfing footage I can get. <laughs> Sign they, me up. They, I need they, they wrapped episode, episode 10 this week. Basically. Yeah. And like, I need all, I like throw, throw the internet, like throw the interviews up just in full. I don't care. Like I, I would, I would love to see as much as they can give us and just, Throw it behind the paywall, whatever you gotta do. Honestly, honestly, this is gonna this is this would never happen. But they could run them on TV right now. They have nothing else. Oh to yeah, they, absolutely, they could. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like, it was it was great. Also, I just I wish a couple times they would just like I don't know. I I hope they I hope there was kind of in the back of their minds by doing this with the unedited stuff on ESPN and for once using that they're a cable network for, you know, doing F-bombs, that baby. For, the first, for the first time since what, like playmakers um, <laughs> rest in peace. Uh, I hope that they, they kind of use this as a little bit of a, a testing ground and maybe, maybe come out with some, some stuff. Let me, let me get some late night games with folks just firing. Sure. Mike's some guys up, let them go. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait, and it's, and it's. I can't wait to see the other docs that are going to do this summer, like the like the McGuire Sosa one is going to be interesting. I'm all in, um, because I, like I will time, say, I was I was a baseball guy, ninety eight, yes. baseballman. I was I was I was playing, <laughs> dialed, because you know it's. I like the doc. I think it's very good. I think people probably understand that we're saying that now. Is it as good as like the OJ doc? No, no. by by any stretch. No, no, but, but that's okay. Extremely was... entertaining and exactly what I think we needed right now. Like thing is, I think especially for what, where we're at, you know, where, you know, in the, in, in everybody's favorite term, uncertain times, um, unforeseen, you know, uh, as, troubled as every, as every car commercial will tell you right troubled now. times, unprecedented times. Unprecedented Robbie. times that's the one. Um, I think, I think just it being, let's go for entertainment. I think that played even better right now because like kind of what we all want. We, this was two hours every week that we just kind of engulfed ourselves in something that's fun. Then we can talk about it later and say like, okay, like let's maybe take all this with a grain of salt as you know, saying like, Oh, well this is exactly what it was, but it was a fun watch um, all the way throughout. And I, I I appreciated that, and uh, as a contentsman, I really appreciated just having something to write about for a little bit. Yeah, it drove uh, it drove content for darn near everyone. Um, I wanted to make sure that it drove content for me on this podcast. Once I was uh, considering at one point just starting to do recaps every week, but everyone was doing that, so I waited to the end. And Robbie was kind enough to join me for what is now an hour, I guess, of uh, last content. I'm, I'm not we always it. we always do. It is one a.m. Eastern. Uh, I should probably mm-hmm. be asleep, but it you're, is what it you're is. fine. Uh, Robbie, before you get out of here, p- feel free to plug anything you'd like. I know we have uh, wall to wall last dance and ever and other things on uh, on dime. 
yeah um read the stuff on dime we're uh we're rocking it um podcast Puntcast is is back the uh, the official home of Bundesliga gambling content <laughs> um, for the oh, for the people craving it. It's so good. Uh, we got absolutely robbed on Matt Wolf and Ricky Fowler today. Oh, that was the highest still, of the highest order. Still, still infuriated by the fact that sudden death was the closest to the pin contest. Uh, and, Bo- and in Bundesliga, um, I think it was Fernelli's uh, his big long shot. Was winning was, was robbed by VR, by VAR in the final <laughs> seconds to uh, not take a look at like a plus eight hundred winner. So uh, we, uh, the system worked. Got two more plays tomorrow. We'll fire it up. But uh, yeah, Subscribe. so we're doing that. Otherwise, yeah, we're just uh, just getting ready for for sports to come back. I'm sure I'll be sure I'll be dialed on the PGA tour when that comes back in June uh, for Uprox. Just, just what, seeking anything we can get. Whatever, whatever there is, we will write about it over at rocks.com slash sports. So. Can miss me with, you can miss me with Lance Armstrong documentaries, though. You should write a, uh, a column about th- th- that, is, that is actually titled You Can Miss Me on Lance Armstrong Docs. <laughs> I'm <laughs> good on that. I mean, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll watch it because I'm just, I'm just on on Sundays, but not, not going to be as dialed as I will on the others. That was a free column idea. You heard it here. You can miss me on Lance Armstrong Docs. Bye, Robbie. Thank you, sir, for joining me. Uh, As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. We'll get back to our normal regularly scheduled programming later on in the week, but uh, catch up on everything else from the pod. Follow Robbie, follow Dime, et cetera, and we'll see you guys next time.